0: Hey everybody, this is Devin. Uh, I will be reading the God's words today in Chinese, um, so I'll be reading Acts 28 verse 30 to 31. 保羅在自己所租的房子裡住了整整兩年,凡來見他的人他都接待, Thanks be to God. All right. Well, it has been a year. It's been a year, right? Like, it's been a year. And, I mean, if you know what I'm saying here, that, that not only has it been a year chronologically as we've walked through the book of Acts, but it's been an immensely difficult year. Yes? Yeah. <laughs> like, woo. <laughs> On every front possible, like, you You ever look back at tough times and ask, like, how did I get through that? Like, what? Or maybe just reframe it positively. Um, You might be saying something like, you know, like, how far, look how far I've come. And you're like, Lord, you must have been in that. Like, you must have been working behind that because I don't know how I could have done that. Mm -hmm. Like, I I just think of, like, climbing a mountain. You know, one time we, we climbed this mountain that took days to climb up top. And when you get to the top and you look back down, you're like, There is no way we just did that. Like that seems ludicrous. How did we do? How did we climb that? Why did we climb that? Like what were we thinking? That was crazy. How did we not die? We we climbed that. Like it is a miracle we survived. And and really, that's the story of the early church. Like it's how did this happen? It is a miracle that they survived. It's a miracle that mosaic has survived. (laughs) We did that. What? Like personally, if you interviewed me ten years ago, straight out of seminary, I would have told you that I I could probably do youth ministry for the rest of my life. I I just love youth ministry. I was saved in the youth ministry. I I think I could do that. Um, Fast forward uh, five years. So five years ago, if you asked me like, hey, would you ever think about planting a church? And I would say something like, I think I'd rather stand in a lawn full of thirty chickens than plant a church which, again, if you don't know that, that's a great fear of mine. Um, <laughs> three years ago, okay, um, so the Lord is stirring something. I don't know what's going on here. A year and a half ago, okay, we're here. <laughs> this, it's happening. We got three families, and let's see what the Lord does. Let's see if he brings anybody else. And then he just slowly started bring in some couples and some families, and we then had to move out of this house, and we went into the Bloodsome Miller just to get a little elbow room, and then we moved to Sunday mornings, and then it started getting, got a few more families coming, and then we had then we had no parking at the Bledsoe Miller, so we had to go to J. Hines, and a few more people were coming, and then I think the Lord knew that we were about to bust at the seams, because then he said, no, let's go back to house church, okay. um, and so now we're in the house church again, and so... The, the whole time, though, the whole, the whole time we've been going like, let's just see what the Lord does. Like, <laughs> it's been a year. It has been a year. And so today we are finishing our series, We Are Church. And, and like any good movie, you want that conclusion to the story. Like, you want the good guys to win. <laughs> you you want to know who is Kaiser Sosei. Like, I mean, heck, we'll take the Scooby-Doo ending. Like, it would be great if Caesar comes in the end. He's like, and I would have gotten away with it, too, if it weren't you meddling kids. Like, that'd be great. Or maybe like the super-duper happy ending with like everything tied up in a nice, neat little bow. But we don't get that. Remember, like, I don't know if you know, Paul has been on the trial for his life for a couple years now. He's been slandered, he's been unjustly condemned, He's sw- he, he, like <laughs> he, he's been almost assassinated, he's been beaten, he's been imprisoned. Last week he was shipwrecked, and then he swims to safety. And when he gets to this island of Malta, and, and though we didn't read it in our passage here before, Paul is picking up a stick to throw into the fire to warm up from this fire. And as he picks up a stick, a giant viper latches itself onto him. <laughs> Dude, if that happens to you, are like, ah, ah, <laughs> I'm freaking out. <laughs> Woo! We don't mess around with, with vipers. No, sir. No, sir. <laughs> but Paul just shakes it off. You know, he's cool. And then he finally from there goes to Rome, right? He goes to Rome as God promised he would. And, and once he's in Rome, he instantly does what he always do- does. He always gathers a group of Jewish people together and he shares the gospel with them. Like you can't stop this guy. Verse 24, it says, And some were convinced by what he had said, but others disbelieved. And and, and the, the, the impression is that most of them disbelieved. And then the book ends with what you had read earlier in verse 30. He lived there two whole years at his own expense on, on house arrest, and welcomed all who came to him, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. If I'm watching this movie, I want my money back. <laughs> what? No, 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 no. Like, boo, no, boo. This is like the lost ending. Like, boo, This boo the queen, Boo! No! Like, like, this is like if, if Hamilton happens, and the bullet is going through midair, and we just stop it then. Like, we don't know what happens to Hamilton. It's, it's cool. Whatever. Or this is like the Marvel movies that, that have been building up. They've been building up to this final movie, and they end it with Infinity War. And they're like, yeah, we don't know what happens. No! <laughs> we need Endgame! <laughs> we need a conclusion! Like, what happens to Paul! Like, this is the end of the book. What happens to Paul? Does he ever meet Caesar? To Caesar you have appealed. To Caesar you shall go. Like, what? Does he get justice? I mean, come on, Dr. Luke. Finish the dang book. Ooh, ooh. But maybe it's one of those artistic movies and books, and you're like, it just ends on a minor and sour note. And you're like, I hate that. (laughs) Nope. (laughs) But it's, though unsatisfying at the moment, it makes you think. You kind of walk away going like, why did they end it that way? That's frustrating. Like, why didn't it include the conclusion to what happens to Paul? Tradition actually tells us that, that Paul eventually gets released from this prison And Luke is telling us that he's there for two years on house arrest, which uh, that's a little hint by Luke saying that Paul's accusers actually never came to Rome to to lay their accusations against him because Rome was very severe with false accusations. Um, And so they never show up. And remember, they had no case anyway. It was all slander. They didn't want to get beaten. And so they let Paul go. But tradition tells us that Paul gets let go and then he gets imprisoned again. Like, uh, you just can't shut this guy's mouth up. Like, come on, Paul. He gets arrested again. And he gets taken to Caesar now. He does go to Caesar. And when he meets Caesar, they chop his head off. Mm. It's a painful ending to the story. Like, you're like, mm. that, that was, ends on a sad note. But, but why not include it? Like, why not include even the dark part of the story? Like, like, if this is Hamilton, let him take the bullet. Let him take the bullet. Let us hear, I imagine death so much it feels like a memory. Like, we want to hear that part. Like, let us let us have that conclusion. But Hamilton is about Hamilton. <laughs> and the book of Acts is not about Paul. Like, this is what God is doing with this story. And this is where you go, oh, okay, now I see what you're doing, God. <laughs> Yes, we have been following Paul for a long while now, but the book of Acts, the main hero that has been with us the whole story, longer than Paul, is not Paul, it's not Peter, it's not you, it's not me, it is the gospel. Like, it is, it is not about Paul, it's not about you, it's not about me, it's about the unending power of the kingdom of God that is impervious to whatever the world throws at it. So let's take a look back at where we began. A year ago, we started looking at the the book of Acts, which is just the the birth of the church. And so we see the history of the spread of the early Christian church. And and Christianity began with just 120 men and women speaking face-to-face with the resurrected, coming back from the dead, resurrected Jesus Christ. And we'll finish today with the Apostle Paul in Rome, which is 2,997.4 miles away in Rome, away from Jerusalem. That's like, that's an eight-hour flight. They don't have planes in those days, right? (laughs) That thousands and thousands of miles away is where the, 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 the beginning of this book begins and where it ends. And thousands upon thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of people come to faith in the span of this book. Like, in the span of 35 to 40 years, we've gone from 120 men and women in Jerusalem to, to an eight-hour plane flight away, that to, to this, this gospel that's being transformed and transforming and a whole empire with thousands upon thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of people believing from 120. I mean, it, it is radical how quick it spread. It is radical how far it spreads in that short of time. But one of the most profound ways that, that, that this is um, a-normal, that, that abnormal, <laughs> that, that is not just the distance at which it goes and not just the speed at which it goes, is the lines it crosses. Like Rome had its gods and, and, and Asia had its gods, whether you're with Artemis uh, or Zeus or whatever. And because wherever you live determined who your god was. But here comes Christianity, and Christianity spread, and it started crossing these lines. And so whether you're a Jew, or whether you're a Greek, or whether you're in Asia, or whether you're in Caesarea, it had crossed all these ethnic and, and national lines. And it not only crossed ethnic lines, it crosses socioeconomic lines. And so that, that rich and poor are coming into this faith together. It is crossing all of these lines, bringing all of these people who should never, ever come together. Like, you would think, like, these people would never come together are bringing them together. And today that is the exact same way it is now. Like today, it, 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 in Christianity, most religions most religions have, are, are isolated in one or two countries. But in Christianity, it, it is all over the world. It is cross-cultural. It is transnational. Like you have about 20% of Christians live in Africa, live in Europe and 20% live in in, in Asia and 20% live in in the Americas and and, and so forth. It It is spread all over the world. Why? Because the gospel is bigger than just your cultural norms. We're not Christians because we're Americans. Like those two don't get conflated. We have another home. And there is something that unites us across those lines. The gospel reminds you that, and me, that outside of the grace of God, outside of the grace of God, we are all committed to one thing. That you and I, outside of the grace of God, we are all, every single person on the planet Earth is committed to one thing, and that is me. Like Martin Luther talks about that. That says, like, the, the, what sin is, is the self turned inward. That sin is just always turning inward. It's a commitment to me and to me only. It it is really, it's you sacrifice your life for mine. Every single one of us lives that way. It's completely selfish. You sacrifice your life for my life. Serve me, love me. But when Jesus comes, he says, the bad news is that you're all sinners. You're all bent inward and you're 100% committed to yourselves and your sin. But instead of him saying, now you sacrifice your life for mine, Christianity and Jesus and the gospel says, I will sacrifice my life for yours. The world says you live to serve me and Christianity says I live to serve you. It's completely backwards. It's a radical message and that's why it spreads like wildfire. It started with a Middle Eastern man It hits up Asia and Africa and eventually Rome. And so what is Christianity? It's all about this man, Jesus. And Paul tries to explain it to them, these Jews in verse 23, says, From morning till evening, he expounded to them, testifying the kingdom of God and trying to convince them, look at this, about Jesus, both from the law and of Moses and from the prophets. You see what he's saying there? He's telling about Jesus from the law of Moses and from the prophets. Like, he's telling about Jesus from the Old Testament. That the Old Testament is pointing, everyone is pointing to Jesus. Jesus died and he was resurrected. He was the Messiah you're all looking to. And he died and he was resurrected. And after he resurrected, he came to us at the beginning of Acts. And in Acts 1, he says this to us, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Jesus told us in Acts 1 that I'm handing the baton off to you. Don't want to drop that baton. <laughs> that feels scary. He's handing this explosive message off to us. he says, handle with it with care. And so that you and I, we trace, we trace ourselves back to this 120 men and women. Like we trace our standing in, in Christianity to this. We attribute it to them, to the, these, these, these men and women who are standing face to face with the resurrected Jesus and him saying, you will receive power. And so now, what I've been trying to say to you guys for like the last year <laughs> is really now it's just our turn. Now it's 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 our run. Somebody sees that opportunity with us. If you believe, somebody sees that opportunity to reach you. Maybe it was your mom. Maybe it was your dad. Maybe it was a friend. Maybe it was a coworker. But somebody sees that opportunity and they prayed for you. They prayed for me. They shared the gospel with us. They seized this opportunity to make much of Jesus for us. And here we are, worshipers of the King. And now it's our turn. I mean, this is why we associate ourselves with Acts 29. If you know, if you look, you're like, there's no extra Bible in here, a chapter of the Bible in here. It's trying to say that we, we are the next chapter of God's plan of reaching planet earth, we are the continuing church. That's why we called this series, We Are Church, because every single one of us has a part to play in the history of the church. I think we only believe, I mean, look at it, like, we only believe because someone shared it with us, and someone shared it with them, and someone shared it with them, and we could trace ourselves all the way back and the people coming after us, they're only going to believe if God's church, that's you and me, are committing ourselves to sharing the good news with the same ferocity as they did. And so we, we can look back at heroes and be like, wow, like, I can't believe they did that. Like, how did they do that? You and I have that same opportunity. You can be like, no, that didn't sound like us. But like, I, someone at some point is going to go like, I can't believe you lived through this pandemic. <laughs> And then in that pandemic, you were sharing the good news? You weren't freaking out about this pandemic? In the face of all this opposition, you shared the good news? You crossed lines? But we actually know that it's never as glamorous as it seems. Like, no one ever celebrates history while they're in history. They just wait till it's, af- it's afterwards to actually celebrate it. Like You think of artists who, who ne- never got the, the praise they deserved until long after they're dead. Or you can think of theologians who, who no one really read until they were long gone. They're like, oh, that guy was brilliant. Why didn't we ask him more questions? Or you can think of, like, you know, people who have been put, leaders who have been pushing for change in society, and they're seen as radicals and rebellious. And it's not till later we say things like, well, Martin and Malcolm, they did have a point. You know, <laughs> we wait till it's over. This actually happens in this text here to Paul. At the very beginning, when, when he's bitten by this viper, and I'm freaking out, but he's okay, you know, <laughs> verse four, it says, when the native people saw the creature hanging from his hand, they said to one another, no doubt this man is a murderer. <laughs> like, <laughs> he's got a snake on him, he's probably a murderer. Though he has escaped from the sea, justice has not allowed him to live. I mean, isn't that just like today? Like, he did something to bring this upon himself. Like, trouble always finds this man. He has it coming to him. We just heap more judgment on people who are already enduring pain. We just heap more judgment. We assume the conflict is because of their own doing. It's not grace that we actually believe. It's karma. Grace is saying you, you're getting what you don't deserve. And karma says you're getting what you deserve. It's coming to you. And so we actually believe in karma when, when we believe into this. They got what they had coming. But Paul was innocent this whole time. We know he's innocent. And as soon as they see the snake doesn't kill him, they change their tune in verse 6. They were waiting for him to swell up or suddenly fall down dead. But when they had waited a long time and saw no misfortune come to him, they changed their minds and said that he was a god. <laughs> like, he's a murderer. No, he's God, actually. Like, <laughs> whoa, that pendulum swung fast. <laughs> I mean, it's laughable. Does the presence of conflict mean the judgment of God? Does the presence of conflict mean, always mean the judgment of God? It seems clear from Scripture that sometimes, and quite often, the opposite is true. If everything is just going splendidly for you, congratulations. But did we cut corners at some point? I mean, Jesus says in Luke 6, this is a wild text. He says, woe to you when all people speak well of you. Ooh, (laughs) for so their fathers did to the false prophets. I mean, did you catch that? It's bad when people only have nice things to say about you. (laughs) Why? Because it means we didn't have the courage to speak up. And when God's people do speak up, the prophets, Paul, his own son, they kill him. Jesus says in Matthew 23 Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees and hypocrites! For you build the tombs of the prophets and decorate the monuments of the righteous, saying, If we had lived in the days of our fathers, we would not have taken part with them in shedding the blood of the prophets. You see what he's saying there? If we had been there, that wouldn't have been us. We would have, we would have honored them. Oh, really? Okay. So the people in Paul's day are saying, like, that's not us, but we're going to kill Paul. Like, we would have definitely honored those prophets, but we'll kill Paul. I mean, they're doing the exact same thing. Would we be doing the exact same thing? We'd say, I would have never said, crucify Jesus. I would have never have said, we should kill Paul. Are we any different? Would we have doubted Paul as a troublemaker going like, I mean, he's kind of radical. He's kind of pushing the envelope. I mean, people are saying some pretty tarred things about him. And, you know, where there's smoke, there's probably fire. Maybe, maybe we should actually be listening to the people who are the most in trouble. (laughs) Maybe we should rephrase this. John Lewis, who was seminary trained and like Martin Luther King, was a theologian of action. And he passed last week. And he was famous for saying, do not get lost in a sea of despair be hopeful, be optimistic. Our struggle is not the struggle of a day or a week or a month or a year. It is a struggle of a lifetime. Never, ever be afraid to make some noise and get in good trouble, necessary trouble. <laughs> so good. We, the continuing church, should never be afraid of making some noise and getting into good and necessary trouble. Like, <laughs> this is the continuing church like, it, when it looks like it's about to be stamped out, when all hope is gone, like every believer has fled or they never existed, when Paul's head is cut off, like, how do we go on? I mean, today, in, in our day today, as many churches have come back to in-person worship, the, the results are, are seemingly discouraging that, that most churches are seeing only about 20% of their congregation coming back to worship with them, some as high as 50 And so, people are starting to ask and wonder, is the church dying? Like, are we being snuffed out? Is it the end of the church? And I would just say, don't you believe that for one moment? I mean, obviously, there are other reasons people aren't returning to church. Our church hasn't returned, (laughs) right? But even if all the churches were shut down, even if, even if, a church lost its nonprofit status. Even if being a Christian meant persecution, do not dismay. For God is going to build His church. It is His church, not ours. Christ said, you will receive power. That's the Holy Spirit. And you will be my witnesses. It is, we're just representatives of the King. You'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in the Samaritans, and the ends of the earth. And so that is his church. We are the ends of the earth. He's reached us. We're here because of what they did before us and, God is, and what God is working through them. We're, and we're just gonna continue that good trouble. Like they faced being burned alive with their faith, but the gospel, the gospel pushed forward, right? Like Paul's head was cut off. And do you think the world said, yeah, he had it coming to him. And now that's probably the end of the church. No, it pushed forward. It pushed even faster. When Peter was crucified upside down, what happened? What about when, when Matthew was stabbed to death or when James was stoned to death? They were killed for stirring up good trouble. But God's churches presses on. And we, the continuing church, have the baton passed on to us and at, at, at the close of Acts with no real ending, because the book hasn't ended. There, the book hasn't ended. It's going to continue on. The, the church is on the move. And like you, you may be thinking, I'm not worthy to hold that baton. And if, if you've learned one thing from this whole series, I, I hope you're able to say, none of us are worthy of holding that baton. Because every single one of us is, is, is a beggar telling another beggar where to find bread. I don't know that guy has free food. Let's go talk to him. Like, that's all it is. We are church. It's going to take every single man, woman, and child to share the good news. And if, you're, and if you're with us this morning and you're not a Christian, you might be asking yourself, are you guys trying to convert me? Yes. Yes, we are. We would love for you to know Jesus. We would love for you to know how good and how gracious and how he, he takes the shame away. Christians have a bad rep for, for making people feel all the shame, and what this guy comes to, has come to do is to bring good news and is to stomp out shame. And so we want you to know that. And if you do want to believe and know and know that that Lord and Savior, please talk to me, we, we want to talk, We want to pray for you. But maybe you're now asking, "But how can I? with the baton, how can I share this good news with, with the same boldness and without hindrance as, as the last few words of the book of Acts is that Paul is sharing with all boldness and without hindrance. How can I do that? Because talking to other people about Jesus makes me nervous. And I would just say these, these three simple things. One, pray, pray for your friends that do not know Jesus. I mean, no one really ever objects to prayer I mean, even if they're not Christians, if you just say, hey, can I pray for you? Like, in my experience talking with people who don't know Jesus, that's usually not a a, a hurdle for them. They're like, yeah, great. And they know that you know that they're not a Christian. But also, if they do push back and say, you guys know, you know I'm not a believer, right? And you could say, that's fine. But if you were, if, if there was a God, what would you like me to pray for? Like, people also see that as you going, I care more about you, though. It conveys something, and it usually leads to deeper conversations. So I'd say just pray for them. But two, I'd say show hospitality. Again, no one really objects to you showing hospitality. No one really objects to you saying, "Hey, you want to come over for dinner?" Like, that's not hard. <laughs> no one really objects to you caring for the poor and for the widow and and for the and for the sojourner. Like, <laughs> I mean, obviously it's more complex during during COVID, but you can simply do a grocery run for someone, and I think that 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 shows, that act shows how much you do care for them as a person. But then lastly, I would say get into some good trouble. I've said this before, but, but Tim Keller once said, when the world sees us doing evangelism, they see us recruiting. And it, it feels weird. <laughs> I added that part. <laughs> when the world sees us doing evangelism, they, they just see us recruiting But when they see us doing justice, they see God's glory. Get into good trouble standing up for someone. Standing up for someone's right. I mean, as we act with mercy and justice, what we are doing is saying, I care more about you. It's not your life to serve mine. It's my life to serve you. Even if it means I'm going to take the hit socially getting into good trouble because I love you. And when people see that, it conveys something unique. It conveys the glory of God for you and for me and the love of God coming through, breaking through in here. And so I, I want us to see that we are the continuing church. We are church It's a weighty baton that's been handed to us, but it's not ours to hold really because it's Christ working through us. And he says, you have power come upon you. It's the Holy Spirit working through us to reach this world. Let's pray.